Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 100. We have made it to the 100th episode. And as I stated to you guys last week, I had no idea what I was going to do. But I'm going to take you through a little history and musical journey of me personally. Um, I have hesitated to do it for two years, over two years now, but uh, lots of you have asked. So I'm going to take you guys through um, the biggest part of my drumming career right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, um, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to give you guys uh, just a little bit of history on me. And I did not want to make this episode specifically about me, but about what has made me into the musician that I am today. And it is... Um, I'm going to place direct responsibility on four human beings, and those are my bandmates from the band Funnel. And it deserves a little bit of history. Um, I moved to Georgetown, Kentucky when I was 12 years old uh, after my parents divorced. My mother was a registered nurse, and she took a job at the um, very fast-growing hospital here in Georgetown, Kentucky. They had just built the Toyota factory in Georgetown, and the hospital was growing, so they hired her. But I grew up uh, in south-central Kentucky on a dairy farm. Um, My 
being for the first 12 years of my life was that of a farm kid. And the thought of being a drummer had never crossed my mind until I came to the city, as it were, uh, a very small town called Georgetown, and got onto MTV. First time I'd ever had cable TV in my life. And at about that same time, I met the guys that would ultimately become the band Funnel. We had a cover band, um, you know, after I got my first drum set at 12, by the time I was 13, I had started my musical affiliation with Phil Weisenberger, his younger brother, Matt Weisenberger, Kevin Rexroth, and Alan Case. Um, and we started playing our first gigs at the little, you know, teen center in Georgetown um, by my freshman year in high school. Uh, that would have been 1991. I think I got my first drum set in 89. So we spent a couple of years practicing. Um, and then after high school, we all kind of went our separate ways. We went off to college. I moved to Memphis, Tennessee for a year and a half, two years, something like that, and uh, played in just every situation I could, but I was still very young, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, something like that. Um, and when I came home, we reformed and started writing original music. And that original music ultimately led to the band Funnel. And, you know, we were never hugely famous uh, at all, but we came really, really close to a record deal. And we thought that was the be all end all back then. But we got to do some incredible stuff in about a three or four year period from 1998 through about 2001, 2002. Um, just an incredible journey. And since that journey, um, it never really ended. Funnel never really said, hey, we're not playing anymore. We never said, we're going to stop recording. We're going to stop writing. Um, we just kind of started our families and raising our kids. Um, and we all went on to play in various other musical contexts. Um, I've been in many different bands for periods of time up to seven or eight years. But the one constant in my life as a musician has been those four guys and that band. That has always been my musical home base. It has always been that way, and it will always be that way. We had an 11-year period where we didn't play a single show from 2008 until 2019, last year. Um, and as our kids have gotten older, we decided it would be pretty cool to do some shows that our kids can come to and see what it is everybody talks about. Oh, you should have seen your dad 20 years ago, you know, opening up for Peter Frampton in front of 30,000 people, things like that. So, when I was thinking about what to do for the 100th episode, 
I didn't want to sit here and talk just about me. I wanted to talk to the people that have been the biggest influences in my musical life. So that's what I did. I got all four of my bandmates on here via telephone because we can't really be together right now during, um, you know, the the COVID-19 global pandemic. Um, we have not gotten together and played since early March when everything shut down and we're all kind of chomping at the bit to get back into the studio and hang out and play music together once again. Um, so I hope you enjoy this. I hope it gives you a little bit of insight into my craziness and what has gone on in my life. Uh, I hope it doesn't come off as um, self-absorbed or, um, you know, boastful, because that's not what it's meant to be. I just thought I would give you a little glimpse into what my 30 plus years of playing drums has looked like. So um, my first guest today is my best friend in the entire world. He was the best man at my wedding. Uh, He runs the studio that I record in all the time. Um, just a fantastic human being, a great guitarist, a great bassist. He has been the bass player of Funnel since its inception uh, back in 1997. This is my best friend, Phil Weisenberger. Philly Joe, how are you, brother? I'm good, man. Good. So uh, are you sequestered in the studio this evening? I am. I am. Hanging out here. Yes, sir. All alone. I hear you, brother. Well, in the words of the Grateful Dead, what a long, strange trip it's been, right? Yes, it has. That's right. (laughs) So, man, you and I have been playing music in one form or another together for going on 30 years. I, I, I don't mean to date either one of us, but we started playing together when we were very young men. Um Yeah. Man, it, it has been a long, strange trip, no doubt about it. Um, yes. What What are some of your favorite memories of Funnel, I guess, or or even, you know, our band prior to that? What are some of your favorite memories? Favorite memories? You know, they're all great, Jamie. They were, there's, I mean, if I had, there's just a couple, I don't know, if I could pick out a few. I remember when I had, we first started Funnel, uh, I was a guitar player. I switched over to bass and I really didn't, you know, I didn't have the bass mindset. Um, you just looked at me in the eye and said, just follow the bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was my, you know, my guiding point from switching from a guitar player to a bass player. Um, you know, and we, you know, we played Cincinnati with Peter Frampton. That was a pretty big highlight. Yeah. You know, um, getting, thrown into a festival the next day in Washington meeting a, you know, a manager. <laughs> that was, that's pretty, uh, yeah. a highlight. That was pretty cool. Um, but so many friends that we've met along the way and so many great people, you know, it's just, uh, it's just an adventure and it still continues in some yeah. way or shape or form. Yeah, no doubt, man. And, and that's, what's crazy. You know, we, we had a, 11-year hiatus where we didn't play any public shows. I mean, we always got together and played in that interim, you know, but we were all mm-hmm. off busy raising families and 
you know, working our day jobs and, and doing our thing. But, you know, it's really interesting. We were just starting to like, I, I don't know, gel as a true band again when all this, you know, global pandemic stuff started. And, you know, now we haven't gotten together to make noise for, you know, a couple of months and it, it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But on the grand scale, you know, we, we went for a year or so without playing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that uh, we'll, we'll weather this and come out even stronger with a greater appreciation for the time we do get to spend together. So, yeah, I agree. Um, let me ask you this, you know, I mean, obviously this show is all about, you know, drummers and, and whatnot, but I'm curious, I'm going to pick your brain a, a couple of different ways as a bass player. What makes a good drummer, a good musical partner as a drummer, you, you know, as a bass player? Well, I, someone that's solid and steady, you know, kind of the director kind of guides, I look to the drum drummer as kind of guiding everyone along on where we are, where we're going to change. We all work together. We're locked in with the drummer. Um, I, I look at the bass as like the the glue between the guitars and the the rib, you know, the drums. Some type of solid there. But I look for a drummer that's going to keep us all locked in tight together. So. Yeah, that's, that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That, and, and you know, I mean, and I think that's you know a role that most drummers try to try to you know fulfill. You know, certainly mm-hmm. is to yeah. is to do that. But now, you know, you've been doing the recording thing. You know, you've got a wonderful studio, and and you've been you know outside of Funnel. You and I have worked together for a lot of years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've done a lot of different recordings with you over the years from a producer standpoint or a recording engineer standpoint, what makes a good drummer? Clean hits, uh, you know, not hard on the drums, light on the cymbals, you know, uh, the ability to uh, make slight changes um, to maybe ideas that we might have to improve the song or the arrangement. Uh, just think um, solid and steady with the hits. You know, you don't want light hits and hard hits. And, you know, somebody that's good and steady it works great. Um, good, good gear. Uh, but you can also take <laughs> less than stellar gear and put some solid heads on it and tune it up nice. And you know, and then sometimes it works great for rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean. Um, I, I guess knowing how to tune is, is really important. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I know that we've all struggled with, you know, whether it's a backline kit that you're, you know, borrowing for a show or whatever, or, you know, somebody comes into the studio and their gear isn't tuned very well. It, it makes your job a little bit harder, right? Yeah. This, I mean, tuning is a huge part of it. You know, someone that can tune well, um, with all the things working together, you know, it's just, it's, there's so many pieces of it where you could say, this is the key. Um, and in a lot of it has to do with the person, you know, yeah. it's just someone that has their personality that works well with the situation. Well, I mean, I have a terrible personality and you haven't fired me <laughs> yet. So 
<laughs> no, man, you're great. It's been great to work with. I've enjoyed that. I mean, thirty years, man. <laughs> I know, I know. It's 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 just so crazy to me, you know. And yeah, you, you know, and and I don't want to give the wrong impression that that you know you and I have only ever been in bands with one another because that's not true at all. You know, you've played in other bands. I've played yeah. in other bands. Um, right. You know, I've brought I think two or three different you know, different projects that I've been a part of to your studio to record, you know? So, um, you know, think about other drummers you've played with over the years. Um, is there anything that all of us have in common that you've noticed? Because you, I mean, you haven't played with, with bad players other than me, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, is there, if I I could pick one thing that they all have in common, it might be the sense of, um, for me, I look to the drum, like I said, I look to the drummer kind of to guide us through. So I'm, I'm always kind of watching the drum and seeing their, you know, kind of watching eye to eye. And seeing what they're playing, and 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 you get that connection as far as when we're going to change, when we're going to do stuff, and you you get to be a little tighter, I think, when you can yeah. have that unspoken communication. And that's of the great drummers that I feel like I've played with. They have that, and it's just immediate. You know, you just connect with them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and I think somebody asked me once, you know, about our group, you know, funnel. You know what? What is it about you guys? And, you know, I tried to say it's because, you know, a lot of guys become friends because they're in a band together. And we were in a band together because we were friends. Right. I mean, and I think that's a I think it's a small difference, but it's a very important difference. I can sit down with, you know, the four of you guys and it can, you know, there, there could have been two years that passed, you know, but I immediately know what everybody's going to be doing and when they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. There is just some sort of telepathy that has been built into the five of us over yeah. all these years. I think we, you know, we, we generally like each other and uh, are real friends and lifelong friends and there is that unspoken communication and, and that really, I think comes through in what we do. Yeah. Whether we're playing our music or we're playing covers or whatever, we just, we, we have this chemistry about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's very true. And, you know, I just can't, you know, I, and again, you know, as we're doing this interview, you know, for the hundredth episode of the drum shuffle, I still don't know what the episode is about. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I still haven't figured out what this is really about, but I knew that I wanted to get you guys on here because the four of you guys have been probably the biggest musical influence in my entire life. Well, I'm congratulations, Jamie, for a hundred episode for your show, you know, drum shuffle. That's just awesome. Incredible feat. And I'm couldn't be more proud of you, man. Well, I, I appreciate really that. Cool. I appreciate that. You know, it's, I, I mean, it's fun. It's cool. And, you know, when I, when I gave up the drinking and, and didn't want to be playing in the bars all the time, you know, this was kind of my way to stay engaged and, and plugged in. Right. So, um, that, that's kind of what's become here. So what, uh, 
What's in the future for you and the studio? Uh, you, you know, I mean, obviously we're going to have you on here for a full length, you know, hour long interview, kind of talking about the history of the studio and all that good stuff before too long, you know, when all this is over yeah. with. But yeah. what's in the future for for you? That's a good question. We'll have to see <laughs> what happens here in a couple of months. I mean, I don't know. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm just going to wait and see. I mean, I've got a really cool place to play music, <laughs> uh, and hopefully we'll get to work with some great people again. i got some product, you know, some projects that uh, I'm in the middle of that I need to get back to work on soon. So, uh, But to wait and see right yeah. now. You well, know, it it certainly makes it hard when nobody can be in the same room. You know, you know if you, yeah, <laughs> you know, we just have to get through this. And I, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time. But um, I, don't, I, I don't really know what the next phase of the studio is going to be. But I hope there's some great music to be made. Yeah. Well, and while we're here, you know, not to put you on the spot or anything like that, but before we wrap up, I do want to put a plug in for your day job as well. Um, Tell everybody you are which generation at Weisenberger Mill? Um, Sixth generation, family owned and operated mill. We make flour, cornmeal and baking mixes, grits. It's been in the family since 1865. So we're pretty busy right now. (laughs) Well, I'm sure, you know, but since 1865, you know, you, you, (laughs) that's just incredible to me. I mean, that's, that's longer than like general electric, (laughs) you know, it's been a while. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it's all the work that my grandfathers before me, they, you know, we worked hard. I mean, I'm just trying to keep, like I tell someone today, I was trying to, trying to keep the train on the tracks. Yeah. We just kind of move along. So it's, uh, it's been, it's awesome, man. Sometimes uh, I started working when I was out there. When I was very young. Yeah. Well, it's, man, it's just such a cool family owned business. And, um, you know, so I wanted to at least plug that. Um, your all's web address? Weisenberger.com. Weisenberger.com. Awesome. I'll put a link up for it too, man. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time to do this. I well, really appreciate thank you, it. Yeah, I man. appreciate it. Of course. Um, Congratulations again, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much, brother. I really do appreciate it. We'll get you on for a full length here before long, but I appreciate you taking part in the 100th episode, man. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. All right. Uh, So I hope that gives a little bit of insight into how this all is going to go on this 100th episode uh, of the drum shuffle. Next up, I talked to uh, another one of my best friends. I consider this guy a brother to me, uh, also a groomsman at my wedding. Uh, we've just been through so much together, and he was the direct link to introduce me to Phil and Matt Weisenberger and ultimately Alan Case. Um, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet our rhythm guitarist, he is my Brad Whitford, Kevin Rexrote. Kev, brother, how are you, man? I'm very well, Jamie. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to come on the drum shuffle. I appreciate it, brother. 
Well, it's an honor, Jamie. Oh, no, it's not an honor. Come on now. Um, Absolutely. No, this is all good. Um, So, you know, this is the 100th episode, and I, I mentioned to Phil, I still don't even know what this episode is about, to be honest with you, but the way I'm looking at it is, you know, we all have our musical influences, and I would have to say that the four of you guys have been the biggest musical influences on me in my entire life. I mean, we're coming up on 30 years together in one form or another. Isn't that crazy? It's really, really hard to believe at times that it's been 30 years. But above and beyond that, it's it, we grew together. We've grown up together. So, I mean, I, music it has just been a part of uh, of that maturation. I agree. And, you know, I said to Phil, I said, there are lots of folks out there that become friends because they're in a band together. Whereas we were in a band together because we were all friends first. And I think that does make a difference. It, it, it certainly did. And, and still does to this time. Even I think if we want to quit, we're not going to be able to. No, that's right. We're going to have... Because we we still socialize, it's uh, it's just become something that we also do. Yeah, we play music, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm fortunate we still do. It's an, granted it's not very often, but when we do, it's uh, it's a highlight of the week for sure. Yeah, man, no doubt, no doubt about it. And you know, I mean, I think. I think what makes Funnel really unique is even if we decided, hey, you know, we're, we're never going to play together again as a band or, or, you know, somebody said, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging it up. I don't want to play music anymore. We would all still be brothers. I mean, you, you know what I mean? It's We, we have, uh, and we've endured those periods where we just simply didn't play much, not, uh, not really setting objectives to meet. Uh, so it's like you turn around and it's a year has gone by since we've done it. Yeah. But even, even with those long pauses, I don't feel like there will ever be a conclusion to, uh, what we have to offer each other and, uh, play music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said and, you know, I, I, I think another thing that's, that's real interesting to me is even if we're not playing out, like doing shows someplace, we always, you know, we had an 11 year break between gigs <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Um, but we all still managed to get together and it's like, well, I brought my guitar. Hey man, my drums are downstairs. It, it just kind of falls together. And it's part of our, just our fabric of being. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this, you know, uh, out of all the crazy times we've had, and there are so many, um, do you have a favorite memory of us playing music together? Well, I think there's, there is not a, a favorite memory that jumps out, but I think that considering this is a kind of your episode, I know that uh, the one that made the largest impact musically from your vantage to me was uh, simply when we, as we, you described, we were friends first and that 
that started what in seventh grade, I guess, for you and I, or sixth. Yeah, sixth grade for me, seventh for you. Something of the sort. So as I don't know if you and Phil discussed the fact that you know we were in a lurch and in need of a drummer for our little first show, but uh, <laughs> simply when we came to hear, well, you said, "Hey, I play drums," and so my mother drove myself and Matt up to check you out <laughs> to see if that was uh, if you were going to be able to fill the needs for our little five or six song set at the center of town, the Teen Center in Georgetown. <laughs> and uh, we go in the basement, and you had erected a dr- proper drum riser and had your pearl kit set up, <laughs> and it's as, as if you were, uh, you know, playing for the masses, but yet down in your basement by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, it's it was as simple as yeah, guys, well check it out. I'm gonna I'll play a song or two, and boom, press play on with the console speakers, and we deemed it the Thunderdome because it simply was unbearably loud. <laughs> and right out of the gate, Dr. Feelgood, note for note, and I, I mean, just blew our minds, our young, very impressionable minds. And at uh, that time, it was like, yeah, we can do this for sure. <laughs> so that that made a long, well, it's a, a lifelong impression on me and as well Matt as one of the steering mechanisms of our musical uh, endeavor but it was it was definitely telling about you as a drummer how do you attack each song uh, and you have the the knack to hear it and be able to reproduce that well note uh, for note well, I, you're, you're making me blush, but I mean, you know, as a youngster, it's all I wanted to do. You know, I mean, everybody else wanted to like go play basketball or, or you know, we're on the baseball team or whatever. It was always about drums for me. I mean, it was like my life. Like this is my ticket, you know, out of this place eventually is, is kind of what I thought, um, you know, and I just... When we started playing together in high school, you know, it was, we, we were just a cover band, you know, and, and it just sort of evolved over the years. And then when we all got to be, you know, college age, we started writing music and we had some pretty cool experiences, you know, as an original band and probably came as close as you can get to making it quote unquote without actually doing it. And it was, it all, looking back now, it just all seems like a whirlwind to me. How do you look back on those years? Oh, I, I definitely agree. It was a whirl. It, it was definitely a whirlwind. I hold it in the highest light that there was a period of time in, say, 1998, really things kick-started. And we played aggressively for, what, three, four, five years, and... We were flirting with the thought of, do you continue day jobs? Or yeah. could we actually make a rip at this financially and so be self-supporting touring band? Well, I think we just, we were that close. We, we simply could have given it a shot or, or not. Yeah. And whether, whether we, you know, 
hindsight being what it is, I don't think you can change that. I think we've done the right thing. You turn around and you mentioned you were playing your entire life, and here we are some 35 or so years later, and you're still engaged. You're still doing what you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, I mean, I, and I've made no secret about it. You know, I've kept a day job my entire life. You know, I'm just not, I don't feel like I could, um, you know, hang my hat or shingle out, if you will, and say, hey, I want to be a touring drummer. You know, I mean, I just don't, I don't know that I'm good enough to do that. But at the same time, you know, we all started, you know, raising families and, you know, buying houses and cars. And it's just really hard when you have responsibilities at home to say, yeah, I'm going to go on the road in a van and make 200 bucks a week. It becomes really hard to do that. You know what I mean? And I think we were grounded enough people that that was, however, it was an option. It was absolutely an option, but it just wasn't going to be as satisfying, I think, at times as what we have done. And we've all made our respective families, and we still get the gratification and satisfaction of music. Yeah. For sure, man. Well, you know, I, I ask Phil this, and I'll and I'll ask you this, but I want to preface this question by saying this: um, you have been uh, just as a rhythm guitarist. I mean, I, that's how I would describe you. You are my Brad Whitford. You are my. Um, I, you know, I don't know, Gary Rosington, just your rhythmic guitar playing. I have yet to see somebody better at that role than you. And I mean that sincerely. Um, you, you are exactly what I need as a drummer from a melodic perspective. You know, you and Phil plus me make up that rhythm section of funnel. And it's a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion. It just nothing feels as good as that. So I, I wanted to tell you that. But my question is, what makes a good drummer and or rhythm section to you? I've never asked you that question, but what what makes a good drummer and rhythm section to Kevin Rexrope? Well, firstly, I appreciate the the uh, flattery. I mean, that's it's it's a. Uh, a high honor to have you say that and put me in the likes of uh, Aerosmith or Skinner or, or any of the sort. But I think that what an extension of that with Phil and yourself and me kind of locking all that down, again, it's, I think, time. Yeah. Where we have played with one another for so long that it is a, it truly only takes a moment to get locked back in. Yeah. And I think that is the essence of what would be a good rhythm section for me. What what helps me most is to not have the drums jump ahead or like drive really, really steering. But more or less, I'm a really a feel player and it's got to feel right. If it's not, if we're 
if I'm anxious for whatever reason and it, it exhibits through the instrumentation, I think that's going to throw everything. And it's the exact same with the percussion. Yeah, I feel like there are times when um, emotions can be too high or too low, and it will show through in the music. Yeah, but for me, for me, it is uh, it is really having that comfort. Granted, we've not played well. I you have, but I've not played in many other arrangements. There have been a handful throughout time, and having grown up with my father being a musician. Uh, there, there's a handful of folks that I'm as comfortable playing with as you guys, but not many. Yeah, good musicians can uh, translate throughout the crowds, but I think that our strong card is simply the time that we've dedicated towards it over the the years, and uh, you know we've had sessions where it's uh, a.m. to midnight. <laughs> So, and by doing that, you, uh, you really get locked in. Yeah. But for me, I I think the, you know, the percussion is really, really important to set that tone and you do it and do it well. Yeah. I, I, man, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I said to Phil, you know, even if we've not, you know, been in the room together as musicians for, you know, a year, two years, whatever the case may be, as soon as we all get together, it's almost instantly, there's like some sort of unspoken telepathy that we have towards one another in our musical instincts. And I can't, I can't explain that or draw a picture or, or tell somebody how to get that. It's just there. It is. It is, and I, it's it's nearly impossible to describe. But you've gotten really, really close to the to describing it there because it is it's it's unspoken. It's spoken through the instrumentation, and and with Alan's vocals, the same. I mean, it's yeah. it provides a a natural high. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's it's crazy, but I mean, we've just had so many good memories, and you know, I I think. Um, I'm really excited for the future, you know, uh, because, you know, we did our first show in 11 years last year and, you know, lots of folks we hadn't seen in many, many moons came out to that show and it was really good. And I had a blast and I thought it was fantastic. And everybody's like, you guys got to keep doing this. But the fact that we are all, you know, sort of back on the same page, you know, our kids are getting a little older and we have more time that we can all get together and play. I'm really excited for the future and, and just making music with you guys, you know, I mean, it's, it's the highlight of, of my week, as you said. Likewise, brother. Yes. I think we'll, we will continue. Yeah, I think so too, man. Hey, listen, I I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, and I, I I think once everything settles down and the global pandemic is over with, you know, I'm gonna have Phil on for a full episode to talk about his recording career, which is amazing in and of itself. But I think I would like to get all five of us in the room together and just just talk for an hour 
and let people listen to it and see what they think. They'll probably be like, those guys are insane rednecks. I don't know. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? That sounds wonderful. All right, man. Well, listen, I hope you have a great week and uh, I will be talking to you real soon, Rex. I love you, brother. Thank you, Jamie. I love you too, brother. Talk to you soon, man. All right. See ya. All right. Next up on the hit parade is lead guitarist, songwriter, extraordinaire, truly one of the most intelligent people I have ever known in my entire life. Uh, This guy has, I'm telling you, anything he undertakes, he becomes more than proficient at. Um, he, He just has a, a work ethic and a brain that never takes a rest. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I would put this guy's guitar playing up against anybody on earth. He's that good. Uh, this is my brother, Matt Weisenberger. Matt, how are you, brother? Hey, Jamie. You doing Pretty all right, good. man? Hey, I can't complain too much. Hey, thanks for taking time to uh, take a, a stroll down memory lane with your your old drumming buddy, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. Cool, man. So, you know, I I told the other guys, you know, I've, I've talked to Phil and Rex so far. Still have to get Alan uh, <laughs> pinned down. But, man, we're coming up on 30 years since we did our first little gig together. It, it Does that mind warp you the way it does me? Yeah, it's sort of a definite uh, proof of time travel <laughs> to the future yes. at ridiculous speed. At <laughs> ridiculous speed. That's so yeah. funny. You remember the uh, ludicrous speed? Yes. Space ball. Yes, that's fantastic. Um, over the years, you know, we've we've written music, we've played cover songs, we've done a little bit of everything, you know, in, in our time together. I'm curious, and I ask the others, um, so this is kind of the, you know, the left field question. Do you have a favorite memory of, of all the time we've spent together? Do you have a favorite musical memory? Hmm. Favorite musical memory. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> let me see. Uh, you know, there were the big gigs that, that stood out that were, that were uh, kind of, uh, I'll tell you one of the ones that I remember uh, very early on, that was very, uh, it was sort of a moment of, wow. Uh, we were going to play, or we were setting up to uh, play the gig at the Memorial Stakes Day on the big stage. Yeah. And, um, you know, they they had the, uh, the front of house uh, sound going, and they were, you know, they were mic checking my guitar at that time. There was hardly anybody there. You know, just some folks milling around. And they uh, put the mic through, and uh, suddenly I hear my guitar going through the front of the house, and it was just, I could just, you know, just kind of feel the power. I'd never really hit a guitar and heard that much sound coming out ever. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a moment that sort of, you know, made my eyeballs light up for a second. I'd, and that's, you know, you remember that gig? That was a long, long time ago, but I remember it was for the first time, you know, standing on a stage that was, you know, where a five piece band was spread out that much. And then you, you know, you hit a, hit a guitar note. And it's just, wow. 
Yeah. yeah. It was, it was pretty incredible. You know, I kind of had the same thing. You know, we, we line checked the drums first and, you know, the sound guy was like kick. And so I start boom, boom, boom. And it was literally like, you know, we're, we're on the infield of a, a racetrack, basically. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I might hurt somebody with this bass drum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just massive. <laughs> it was, it was, they had a, a power station going down there to, to put whatever million watts power. Out of that <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That was a good gig too, man. I mean, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm, I'm guessing it was, you know, a few thousand people, you know, 15,000, something like that. And it was, that was kind of our coming out party as an original band. Really. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy. You, you've, was you've, that- was that 1998? That was 98, yeah. So that was summer like... Summer of 1998. Yeah, that was... Early summer. Yeah, it was Memorial Day, actually. Um, right, right. Which was, I mean, I think we had released the, you know, the first album just like the days before, or maybe right. maybe that was the first time it was ever available. I, I can't remember, but um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. Now, you've played in numerous other musical situations. Um, I'm curious, yeah. you know, you're, you're such a good guitarist. What makes, <laughs> uh, you, no, no, I'm being dead serious, man. You're, you're my Joe Perry. Uh, you're, you're my Keith Richards. You're, you're my guy. Um, uh, what makes a good drummer in a band? Hmm. Uh, you know, you know, I, I think, I think I can, I can maybe unpack this a little bit, but the, uh, there's, there's like two things. There's, um, I guess there maybe like two levels. Like the first, the first level is, is like timekeeping, you know, it's like, um, keeping the, the tempo of the song moving along the way you want it. Maybe, maybe you do want a tempo change, but most of the time it's, it's uh pretty steady. And, um, so one of the things that I see oftentimes is real good drummers can play real slow and, uh, keep it slow if they, if they want. There's, you know, there's, and I, I'm super guilty of that from a guitar <laughs> point of view. It's always trying to speed things. So tempo is like first, uh, first level. And then for me, the next, the next level uh, for, for, for drums and, and, and rhythm in general, but particularly like a kit, a drum kit, I think is like, I don't even really know how to put it in words, but it's almost like, uh, making the drum set, the drum set breathe. It's real organic and it's really musical. So it's, if you have the rhythm, I mean, sorry, the, the, the tempos and you're keeping the time. And then the, the next level is that you're, you're making the set breathe. It's, yeah. it's become an organic instrument and it's very musical, uh, like all the little ghost notes, all the super tiny little sizzles on the, on the hat, on the hat and the stomps come together to make it almost like an organism that's, that's, uh, that's, you're just like behind it, like sort of 
interacting with this organism that's making this noise, this sound, it's very musical and it's, it's very rhythmic and it's, it's organic, it's breathing. That's what I always call it, it's breathing. And once it's there, it's breathing, then the band breathes with it and then, then it all locks in and it's, then it takes off from there. It's just, when that happens, uh, it's an under, you can't really put that into words, but when it happens, it's, it's an incredible thing. So I, I, that's my thing. It's about two parts, a tempo and then breathing. Okay. Well, so basically the opposite of what I've been doing for 30 years, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, and, you know, you, you, you kind of, you were asking me, uh, you know, uh, over across my, uh, my musical endeavors yeah no no no. i i get it man i just i couldn't resist to uh to get uh, to get that in yeah. there do you yeah. and you know i i don't want to put too fine a point on this but you know back when we were writing the first record you know wide open um you were kind of going through um an eddie van halen phase at that point, at, the, at that particular point in your life as a guitarist. Um, yeah. I think their greatest hits yeah. record had just come out and it just seemed like the riffs and the ideas were flowing out of you and, and you and Alan were our yeah. chief songwriters, obviously. But do, do you have any, you know, favorites that, that you came up with during that time? Do you have anything that, that you would point to and go, that was my magnum opus during that period? Uh, yeah. So you, you know, you're right. I was, I was really at that time. Uh, the, the, the Van Halen thing was, was really kind of, and, and it's weird because I'd hardly play any of that anymore, but the, um, the Van Halen, uh, sound, which, when I look back on it right now, it definitely had a lot of things going on at that time. A lot of open droning strings in the mix. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at that first, first, uh, record, the, the song all the same had that. And, you know, I, I had no idea really. I wasn't thinking about it analytically at all. I wasn't even really, I was just trying to capture, I guess, the feel that I was going for and listening to and hearing in my head at that time. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's looking back, it's, it's got a lot of hot hanging sevenths in it yeah. and, and they, they resolve to the, to the tonics. But the, and, and when that happens and you, you let it drain, uh, drone out over, over some open strings, um, I mean, even, Throughout the the main uh, chorus riff, uh, same thing, and then through the um, through the through the verse had had open strings through it, the open B and open E string, through through the whole of the, of the verse. Uh, so it, that whole thing of like ringing out notes, droning out droning out notes like that was a was a was a kind of a signature thing that that kind of happened at that time. It did have a lot of, I remember it had a kind of Van Halen feel to some of the songs for sure. Yeah. And, um, even when I look back to it, another song like that, that, that comes back to my memory. We never recorded it, uh, for real, but it was, um, um, Faith Above Reality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another, another song that had a lot of, uh, droning out, uh, notes in the in the chords 
and uh, those two those two are actually some of my favorite two songs that we ever recorded. That's cool, man. I think the reason why you know faith above reality. I, I think the reason we never really pursued that you know for real as a release or whatever is because it was like seven minutes long. <laughs> It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. who's going to play this on the radio? Nobody. Okay. We'll pass. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Seven kind of like Skinner's Freebird. Yeah, or exactly. Queen's Bohemian. Yeah. 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 Uh, seven, everybody's got to have a seven or a nine minute song in there. It's well, like a prime number. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I mean, I, th- I think it's brilliant when you have those songs. Um, you know, and I want to be respectful of your time, but, you know, this is a question that I've always wanted to ask you. And I want to preface this by by saying you are Dr. Matthew Weisenberger, Mr. <laughs> Mr. PhD. But how does it feel to be the smartest person in every single conversation you've had in your life? <laughs> <coughs> yeah, uh, that's far from the truth. Far, far, far from the truth. I've. I'm, um, I'm, classify as uh, not the smartest cookie all the time. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm, teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing you. It's just, yeah. you, you take, you take music to a level to me, this is just my opinion, but you take music when, when we are in a band setting, you take it to a level that sometimes I can't even understand because I, you know, I don't play any melodic instruments. I'm a drummer, obviously. But when you talk mm-hmm. about the sevenths and the ninths, I mean, I kind of understand mm-hmm. what that is. But mm-hmm. you have really um, a deep theory background, which I think can be intimidating to someone like me who's never really had any formal lessons or, or anything like that. But does it, does it just come from doing or does it come from like seriously sitting around and studying what you're playing? Uh, where it really set in for me was playing with a keyboard player. So in that set, in that setting, you have no common denominator except to speak in rather traditional music terms. Right. So if you're guitarist to guitarist, you, you can say, uh, let, let's, let's jam it out on the power chord if it fits the fret. Uh, but when you're with a keyboard player, you know, you've got to, what, what, what's the color we're going for? Are we going <clears> to, <throat> are we going to do this? Um, you know, this is going to be a, a, a B flat. Yeah. Minor seven. That's what we're going to go for with this. And then we're going to change it to the, to the E flat nine or, or whatever. That's where it really became important, and so I kind of started cutting my teeth into into music speak there. But since then, um, uh, just a lot of wood class, old school wood shedding, you know, where you know my goal is not to to hit notes as fast as possible, you know, like shredding in any sense of the term I, i'm not a shred i can't shred <laughs> no that's your um, younger brother that can shred yeah <laughs> yes right right and um but it's not that i'm interested in in being like just i guess capable or, or you know sp- in the music speak in terms of uh, chordal discussions and things like that. But what I end up 
doing is, is I, I try to associate that to real sound. Like when I hear a sound, can I, can I, can I tell what that sound is? And when I hear it, can I reproduce it on my guitar? <clears throat> yeah. Like uh, when I hear a, a suspended fourth, that's to me like a sus four chord. I can hear it and then I can go back on the guitar and I can, boom, that's the sus four chord. Uh, clearly like a power chord, which is just first and fifth. Bam. You can nail that out. Uh, but sometimes you want to, you want to get, um, sounds that, uh, have, have a little bit more, uh, like I say, color to them. And the way, the way that for me to do that is I try to associate that to sound. And to me, it's all about ear. And yeah, even just being, I remember the, remember the last time we got together and played and I was like, boom, your, your drum is tuned to whatever it was. It was like, bam, that's a, that's a D flat, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that just being aware as possible as you can about tone, about noise, about sound, even noise, just anything. Uh, I often hear the sound of my microwave and I can tell, you know, <laughs> it, it comes in at a certain note and then it, it comes, it changes pitch and it goes down and I can hear, it. uh, just, um, uh, that's just single pitch type stuff. But when you start coloring with lots of different pitches, uh, that's when a little of the music speak starts to, to help from a, harmony point of view yeah and yeah. I, you know i've heard rhythm th- man i yeah reading rhythm oof, i'm yeah I'm, that's that'd be like a major that'd be like me trying to learn chinese yeah me too <laughs> to be honest you know but i mean i've heard it explained the analogy uh you know of of different chord modes you know whether it's a suspended or a fourth or, or whatever you know, I, I've heard it explained as if the only spice you ever cook with is salt, everything will taste the same. Right. So, <laughs> y- you know, so I, yeah. I, I guess it's being able to spice things up. But, you know, here here's just a, a, a friendly recommendation. If you can hear those tones in your microwave, if you can tell when the burrito is cooked simply by your ear, that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool bar trick, man. I'm just saying. I wish I could hear the, the, the cooking. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing like the fan or something. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, listen, man. I you know I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, I you know I've said to all the other guys that I've talked to, I still don't know what this episode is about, but it's sort of a I don't know, man. It's a historical perspective of of me and and you know kind of my musical life and. The four of you guys have been, without a doubt, the biggest musical influences I've ever been around. And it's, you know, your friendship and brothership to me is just, uh, it's an unspoken thing, man. You know, I love you guys and I can't wait to see what the future holds once, you know, all this craziness is over. We're going to get back in a room and and make some racket. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. I'm looking forward to doing it because, you know, all the music goes forward. We keep doing it and, and we keep... Uh, uh, but I don't know. Keep finding interest in it. It's just uh, it's fun. It's something that uh, that we do. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's something we do, and that's exactly what Rexy said. He was like, you know, it it will always be some sort of common thread, even even if we aren't actively doing it. It's just part of that brotherhood. You know, the music is it's part of the friendship, which is pretty pretty amazing uh to be able to sit back you know 30 something years later and be like yep still there still got it it's pretty cool i remember the first time i think i I remember seeing you play drums for one of the first time in the thunderdome and you had the the big giant uh stereo speaker set up yeah yeah i think you were playing 
something maybe like Molly Crew or something like that. Yeah, Re- Rexy. Or, or maybe Rexy actually brought this up. Yeah, he was. He said it was Doctor Feelgood. I don't remember. I mean, I remember you guys coming over, but I, I don't remember yeah. what I played. But uh-huh. you know, uh, it, it was you know he's the one that came up with the Thunderdome, and and that's so true, <laughs> man. Because I used to just like I would full on sprint when I got off the school bus to get down there yeah. to those drums and just play, and yeah. I would play till my fingers bled. It's yeah. you know it's it's what I did, and you were very much the same way with guitar. I mean, I remember yeah. every time I ever called your house, you know, your mom would answer the phone and be like, "Can I talk to Matt?" And she'd be like, "Matt." Turn down the yeah. guitar. You know, you were just always yeah. playing. So, the woodshed. The woodshed. You know, it's, a, it's a great place to be. It really is, man. It really is. Brother, I appreciate you taking time to do this. We'll do it again Not soon. Absolutely. Thanks, to you. It's Good talking to you, man. Good talking to you, brother. I love you, man. I love you, too. Good See you. All right, guys and girls. Um, one left. And I don't know what I can say about this guy other than he has the voice of an angel. I mean, truly just one of my all-time favorite singers, one of my all-time favorite lyricists. Um, If you sit down and talk with, with Alan for more than 10 or 15 minutes, you understand that, you know, still waters run deep. Uh, Alan doesn't say a lot, but man, when he does, you should listen. Um, This guy is just a phenomenal musician. He has a phenomenal ear for music. Um, Just truly one of my best friends. Please help me welcome Alan Case. Alan Case, how are you, brother? Doing good, my friend. Awesome. Good to hear it. How uh, How's the family? Everybody surviving the global pandemic? Very well. They are uh, they are doing fantastic. Good. Me, on the other hand, I'm going crazy. But, uh, <laughs> they're, they're doing great. That's awesome. Isn't that the way it goes? O- old dad is pulling his hair out and the, the kids are doing their thing. It's all good, man. Uh, hey, thanks for taking time to do this. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've talked to all the other boys already, so so we saved the best for last, right? <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> I won't at all. So, man, it's it's kind of hard for me to believe, and I you know I talked to the other boys about this. We're we're coming up on almost thirty years of making music together, which just that seems insane to me. Um. Looking back over all the time that we've played music together, do you have a favorite memory? Does anything stick out to you? Um, yeah, playing um, playing in downtown Cincinnati that was a that was the best for sure. Oh yeah, that, that was the uh, Peter Frampton gig, right? Damn it, on Maine. Yeah, yeah that that was pretty cool. I mean, that was. I just remember, like, we were the first band, I think, on the bill that night. And I just remember, like, we we started into our set, and there might have been, I don't know, 20 or 30 people there. And, like, 30 seconds later, all I could see were people as far as I could see. I've never seen that many people before. (laughs) It was huge. It was was fantastic. And hearing all the... the, uh, 
guitar amps rocking all of a sudden bouncing off those buildings. It was just, uh, it was quite the, uh, it was quite the sound yeah. being downtown in a big city like that. Yeah, it was, that was a pretty crazy gig. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, over all the years, you know, you've been pretty much our chief songwriter, you know, you and Matt, uh, obviously, you know, Matt came up with a lot of the melodies and, and, you know, riffs and things like that. Do you have a favorite that, that you've written? I, I mean, was it the old stuff, the, the newer stuff? I mean, do you have something that sticks in your mind is that was, that was it for you? You know, I enjoyed all of it so much, but for me, it was more of a collective thing. Nothing really sticks out as being better than than the other. It was just all kind of a time, a place, and a time, and a you know, and a and a feeling. You know, twenty years ago, that was a um, of a writing your own music, and getting to play it yeah. for people and people halfway enjoying it, having a good time. Yeah, you know that was that was what I think about it. I don't miss you know the song as much uh, as I do just the moments you know in time. Yeah, I mean I understand that, and you know I didn't ask any of the other guys um, the name Funnel. Do Do you remember where that came from? <laughs> I remember walking in and you all going, "Our name's Funnel." I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> Okay, sounds good. I must have missed a good one last uh, night uh, since you all got it got it knocked out. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, game on, whatever, let's do it. Uh, well, I remember you saying, and, and, and the story is, uh, you know, I, I'll tell this, you know, Rexy was in the fridge digging for a beer, I think, uh, after rehearsal one night, and I just remembered the story of him um, I remember years and years before we were youngsters, him digging in a cooler for beer and he had a beer funnel hanging out of his back pocket. I'll, I'll just never forget that. And it just, I don't know why, but it dawned on me in that moment. And I said, let's call the band funnel. But you had a really cool take on that. You were like, yeah, we're taking five people who are influenced differently by different things and kind of funneling it down to distilling it down to to a collective effort which i thought was a really cool um you know idea about the name i thought that was really cool when you said that that uh i uh for sure that was a that was a, a big part of the deal it's just getting getting everything mixed together and uh working together and, and uh put on a show you know yeah yeah for sure man well, let me ask you this. You know, th this podcast is all about drummers, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, but wh what do you think makes a good drummer? What do you look for in a good drummer? Uh, just finding that groove, man. Just finding it and uh, and uh, accenting, um, making making the beat, uh, you know, feel better. I'll get get all the way down, you know, get all the way into into the into the groove, you know, find that sweet spot, and uh, that's what I enjoy. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, we've been doing this for uh, a really long time. 
What, uh, you know, I, I, and obviously, you know, we've all played in different and varied musical situations, but you know, what, what do you see in your future musically? I mean, are you, you know, we've talked about this obviously, you know, as a band or, or as a group of people that play music together, but what, what still turns your crank, I guess, is what I'm asking. Just being outside playing music for folks and, uh, uh, you know, watching people have a good time being out. Uh, I really enjoy the outside shows, you know, the most. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, you know, that's that's what I enjoy. Well, I don't think there's been a time in the last 20 years that I've been around you on a Friday or a Saturday afternoon, evening, whatever, that you didn't have a guitar in your hand singing, you know, like the, the campfire thing, the cookout thing. It's just such a big part of you. That's that's like the, the, the common thing. Every time I see you, you're like, let's get out the guitars and pick one. You, you know what I mean? It's just like... um such part of your fabric, I think. Yeah, with, with without a doubt, it's the one time that I get to take a break and and just kick back and uh, and uh, you know make a little noise and have a little fun, you know, sing, get other people to sing. I love to hear other people sing as well. You know, singing with uh, with other people, great songs. You know, something that that Friday and Saturday night, you know, that makes, uh, makes, makes the weekend, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Well, so I, and I know, you know, the, the kids, I know Nick is, is kind of into music. What, what about Molly? Are, are the kids, are, are they following in your footsteps? Are they doing the music thing? Molly, uh, loves music. Cannot sing at all. Nick can sing. He can sing really, really well, but he won't. He won't, <laughs> won't do it in front of anybody. Uh, but the kid, uh, the kid is very talented uh, uh, vocally. Well, you, you were. I, a catch, sh- I catch him. I catch him singing. Uh, um, you know, we are the champions, and and all of these, all of these big hits. You know, from the eighties that are just super high. You know, that most most people can't. And then just wearing it out, but uh, he's more bashful than I am, which is it's a bad deal. But uh, maybe he'll maybe he'll grow out of it one day. Start chasing the, when he starts chasing the girls or chase start chasing the girls around. He'll uh, maybe he'll start singing. <laughs> I hear you. Well, but I was getting ready to say, man, back when we first started, you you were very shy about singing in front of people. That was a thing you had to overcome. No doubt, no doubt. Some people, some people, uh, really love it and uh, you know get into it. Where that, you know, I I like the song, um, but sometimes uh, the performance and and that kind of stuff is uh, is a little harder. <laughs> not as not as smooth <laughs> as I would like to be <laughs> in that category. Well, I, I will just say this. I never had a problem getting up in front of 25, 30,000 people and playing. I just didn't do it with half the talent of the rest of you guys. I, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. Uh, you guys have been the, 
the biggest musical influences in my life without a doubt. And, uh, man, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to come on here and do this and just kind of talk about our history and whatnot. And I look forward to, uh, when all this nonsense is over with so we can all get back in a room and, and make some noise. Sounds fantastic. I always enjoy it for sure. All right, brother. Well, listen, man, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you real soon. Take care, brother. All right. See you, man. See you. All right, guys and girls, I am going to wrap up this episode by saying I hope you've enjoyed uh, hearing a little historical context about me and my band, Funnel. Um, Truly, that band has defined most of my life. It really has. Um, And typically, when we wrap up these episodes, we talk about um, you know, liking our show and, and giving us a thumbs up and sending us emails and all those things. And all that still holds true. We answer all of our email uh, at the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com. And our web address is the drum shuffle.com. And you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. And we typically wrap up with a little snippet of a funnel song. The intro to the show and the outro to the show are a song called Inner Fire from our first album that we released back in 1998. The link for this show that's going to be over at thedrumshuffle.com is going to be a link to our CD Baby store. We released a 20th anniversary edition of that record last year. If you are so inclined to pick up a copy, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, But please don't feel obligated. We're available on Spotify, on Amazon Music, things like that. We'd like it if you would just check out some of the music. But I'm actually going to wrap with the song that Matt mentioned in his segment of the show called All the Same. That's going to be my outro for this week. Thank you all so much for listening to the drum shuffle. Uh, Thank you so much for sticking around for a hundred episodes. When I started this endeavor, I never thought that I would do a hundred episodes of this show. Um, We're going to keep going strong. I have done interviews uh, with Troy Laquetta of Tesla. He'll be coming up here in a couple of weeks. Our old friend David Parks will be our guest next week. Um, we've got some great shows coming up. I hope you'll continue tuning in to our podcast. We thank each and every one of you for doing so. And thanks so much for tuning in to this special hundredth episode, uh, of the drum shuffle podcast until next time. May your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.